0: It's not been the most straightforward series to stick together, as you could imagine. And um, tonight, depending where you're at in life, I want to try and do one of three or four different things. For some people, this is going to be an exercise in bursting your theological bubble. It might not be very comfortable. (laughs) And Apologies to a certain extent for that. For other people, it will be about beginning to try and put back together our view of God. Who is God after all? Can we trust him when there's so much that's terrible in the world? For others, you may at the moment be going through agony of pain and suffering. And really, what I want to do is say, we're here. <laughs> and if you just want to tune out for the next 15, 20 minutes, then that's perfectly uh, sensible. It may even be good self-preservation. <laughs> And for a fourth category, I've no idea what God wants to do with you tonight, so just listen and see (laughs) where he might take you. So this morning I was was chatting to people and and someone said, I hate the book of Job. (laughs) Someone else said, that was so helpful. I spoke to four people on the way out of church who had lost a child. I was just at the first service. (laughs) Others where I know they've got terminal illnesses, some who have suffering with... (laughs) Yeah, everything from childlessness to relationships that are difficult to kids who have gone astray <laughs> you leave a blank you leave a pause and automatically our heads fill in the gaps, the don't they? <laughs> there's so much that's tough in this world and Job at the end of this passage comes up with something that sounds a bit like a 1980s worship song and, um, and you sort of want to go to him at the end of it and go, are you sure? <laughs> really? Did you not just hear what's happened? Four calamities have whacked you round the face. His entire setup of the book sets him up as a blameless and upright person who fears God and shuns evil. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him at all. You can't put a spot on him. Nothing he's done deserves anything. And then it explains... His status, and his status is spelled out in his his business and in what he owns and in who he has in his family. He's got seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and the largest number of servants. He's the greatest guy in the East. He's astonishing. He's a billionaire. And a good billionaire. I mean, how often do those two things come together? He's an astonishing man. And yet, as we saw last week, if you were here, due to a cosmic exchange, whether or not anyone in humanity could be trustworthy, God names him as, yeah, he could probably cope with some suffering. (laughs) To the devil. (laughs) He names him to the devil and says, yeah, this one could do do with it. He could cope. He'll still praise my name (laughs) at the end of the suffering. Have you thought about Job? You'll see next week, he doesn't just do this once, he does this a second time to him. Even after all this, have you considered Job a second time? And Job's standing there and Sabean's attack and fire comes from the sky and Chaldean's attack. And something like a tornado comes. And every single thing he's put his life upon is just ripped Away. We've been looking and you can uh, take one of the beer mats if you like afterwards at the grief cycle and the grace cycle in church. And the, and the grief cycle is where you put your trust in what you do and your status. <laughs> you know, I'm a vicar. Therefore, I've got an identity. Therefore, um, I'm quite nice. Maybe you're like me. <laughs> Therefore, I'm Okay. And the grace cycle sort of says, I'm already okay because God says I'm okay. I get sustenance from that and identity from that, and then I can achieve. But most of us, for better or worse, build our life on our achievements. You go to that dinner party and they ask that horrible question, what do you do? (laughs) Don't they? You ask that question, so what do you do? (laughs) Maybe you did it in church tonight already. What do you do? A better question would be, what are you passionate about? (laughs) It's a bit more neutral, isn't it? because if you're backed into a corner and actually you're out of work or you hate your job or you happen to be a vicar and you know it's going to be the end of a conversation <laughs> what do you do is a crummy question <laughs> it was alright when I was a youth worker when I worked with homeless kids Ah, oh, I worked with homeless kids oh really you work with homeless kids <laughs> blah 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 it was a great great conversation but you're a vicar <laughs> end of conversation <clears throat> unless you're Keir he just keeps it rolling <laughs> We put a lot of our identity in who we are, what we do, what people say about us, don't we? Everything Joe does, everything people say about him is just gone. And his family, his kids, they've all gone. If you were with us for our church weekend away last year, you would have enjoyed the ministry of Duncan Hill Brown. Anyone here last year for the church weekend away? Quite a lot of you have joined the church since then, actually, which is lovely. Nice to see you. But if you were here, you, you met Duncan and Rachel, uh, his little children. And we're about to go and stay in their house tonight, actually. We're heading off after this to go and stay there. But this summer, Duncan's mum and his two brothers, his only siblings, got in a car after church one Sunday. And two hours later were involved in a fatal accident. His mum died straight away. One of his brothers totally hospitalized, not sure if he'd come out. The other one was given 24 hours to live. Just like that, they just left church. Small church in the South Coast. Duncan was due to go on sabbatical to have a rest. Instead, <laughs> he's up and down the country, funeral visits, sorting things out, visiting his brothers who had moved to two different hospitals. <laughs> just like that, in a blink of an eye. Life changes totally. Reading Ron Dunn's book this, this morning, about three in the morning, when I was thinking about this talk again, wanting not to get it wrong. His son committed suicide 18 years before he wrote this book. Um, Sorry, that's the wrong one. Um, Ron Dunn, When Heaven is Silent. And he's trying to make sense of it. And someone said to him, Pastor Dunn, how could this happen to you? (laughs) Meaning, you know, you're the vicar. (laughs) You're a good guy. I could understand how it might happen to someone else, but how can it happen to you? And he says, that was the question I wanted to ask as well. How could it happen to me? (laughs) I'm a good guy. Duncan's great guy his brother's a great guy his mum, great lady why <laughs> the answer is well, i don't know what's the answer <laughs> and joe gets to the end of that sort of news and he goes let's quote it exactly Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. (laughs) And don't you want to just go up to him and say, That's a crummy worship song. (laughs) Have some real emotion, man. (laughs) Or is it just me? (laughs) You know, you're like, really? Naked you came from the world, naked you go, blessed be the name of the Lord, everything's lovely. It's not lovely. You've just lost 10 children and your entire status in the universe has gone down the pan. It's not very lovely right now, Job. How come he's holding on? It's a big question, isn't it? I mean, it's not just a trite thing. He's already ripped his clothes off. He's, he's shaved his head. He's in agony and pain and he wants the world to know that. But if you have been following the study notes so on page ten, you'll see the grieving cycle here, and it feels like he's gone straight to acceptance in about six minutes. Oh God, they're all gone. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> it's good that I had them for a few years. <laughs> Wasn't I blessed? And yet, when you look in at what most of us have to go through when we're going through grief, it's much more complicated than that. And I feel, uh, saying this morning that. Sometimes when you're a Christian, life gets doubly difficult. (laughs) Because you sort of feel you're supposed to be shiny, happy people all the time. (laughs) It's not just an REM song for us, is it? (laughs) There's a sense that you're supposed to be happy. And if you're not happy, then you're blinking well better pretend to be happy because it will make everyone else miserable and you might drag them down if you don't. We carry around on our backs. this oh, I've got to be all right thing. And it's like an untold burden that wears us down. And yet, the grieving cycle teaches us that the human emotional journey is an active and passive emotional journey. We may begin in a stable place. When life goes wrong, it's not often well prepared for, is it? It just happens. That may just cause us to be immobilized. We may deny what's going on. It's not really happening to me. One day it will be all right. We go through a period of anger normally. Why did that happen to my grandmother? Why did she die like that? And she did a funeral for someone with motor neurones disease. It's horrible. Why does anyone go through that? We might say, as, as Job was saying in the, in the poem, in the video, you know, take me, not her. Spare my wife, not me. We may even do it posthumously. I was talking to someone today, it was full of guilt because she had lived and her son died from a parallel illness. Survivor's guilt, it's called. Take me, not them. And then we may go through depression. You know, not far from here, just down the road, there was a conference the other weekend uh, led by a vicar friend of mine on mental health. And he so the friend said, I get really depressed. <laughs> and their feedback was, that was really helpful for me. Thank you. I didn't know we were allowed to get depressed. (laughs) It's normal if you've been grieving to get depressed for quite a long time. And then you have to sort of test, put your foot back in the water. And eventually you may come to a place of resolution and acceptance. Job goes, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, he takes away. And he does it in six minutes. What might take you six years. Does he get it right or not? I think it's an interesting question for us as Christians. Job's not a Christian. He's not even a Jew. He may be a descendant of Abraham through Esau's line. It's possible. We don't really know. But he's not a child of the covenant as such. He doesn't have the whole apparatus we have. What's the Christian response to grieving? Have you Have you thought about that? Is it to put the chair on your back and go... Inshallah, it is the will of God that i 'm suffering. <laughs> is God like that? Is inchallah a Christian response? I mean, albeit it 's in arabic <laughs> it 's the will of God. It feels sort of christianly, doesn 't it? <laughs> isn 't it sort of what we 're supposed to say? I'm talking to a lovely couple who'd lost a son not long ago, and they said they 're removing thee thy will be done, God." <laughs> But I will be done. Is it the Christian response? I don't know what you think. What is God's will when it comes to suffering? If we're to work it out, as a Christian, we do our theology with the whole book, don't we? Not just a passage. How does the book start? It starts with God making the world pretty crummy and messed up. <laughs> Actually, it starts with him saying, oh, it's all really good. How does it finish? It's all really good. There's no tears, there's no crying, there's no pain. And right in the middle of the book, in the middle of the book, in this case is about three-quarters of the way through, (laughs) along comes God himself into the book. And what does he do when he encounters suffering and pain and death? (laughs) What does Jesus do with death? When Lazarus dies, it says he gets Churned up from the belly upwards, he gets angry with death. He sees it as an alien invasion, and what God planned. Does he go, Inshallah, Lazarus is dead? Or does he say, Lazarus, come forth, and rip open the tomb when the little girl dies? Does he go, (laughs) Inshallah, don't worry, Inshallah? Or does he say, little girl, I say to you, rise up. When he encounters someone who's blind, does he say, Inshallah? Or does he spit on the ground, put mud on the face, and open the eyes of the blind when he sees a cripple? Does he say, it's the will of God? Or does he say, get up and walk? You do the theology, (laughs) I'm just laying it out. So what else is in the book that means it's so messed up? Well, just in the third chapter, an alien intruder comes into the world... The people that God's created do the one thing he says they shouldn't create. The earth is cursed, the people are cursed, the sexes begin the battle of the sexes and have been fighting ever since. Gender disparity begins and collides and carries on. What's the will of God? I made it perfect for you. What was the will of people? To Screw the whole thing up. <laughs> And everything went out of order from there. So Richard, if you're saying that God's will is for things to be perfect, and humanity or something screwed it up, I mean raises interesting questions about what happened before the fall in terms of the cosmic billions of years that the earth's been around for. But part that one for a second. We'll come back to that at some other point. (laughs) If it was a human thing, why doesn't God just do something about it, for goodness sake? Why does he let Job go through this stuff? Why does he let me go through this stuff? Is he powerless? Doesn't he love me? Why does he allow his will to be thwarted? (laughs) I mean, why would you, if you had power and love, allow your will to be thwarted? You ever wrestled with that one in the face of a personal grievance? The water into wine. Could have part that one and saved my mum from cancer. (laughs) Why doesn't he? We're looking over here. God sees the world that we want him to decide what's good and bad with. He sees the messed upness over here from his perfected glory. And he says, I'm going to sort this out. Temp one, I'll wipe them out and see if they're any better the second time. (laughs) Attempt two, I'll give them the law. See if they can live life right. Attempt three, I'll send them rulers. See if that will help them. Attempt four, I'll send them prophets. See if that will inspire them. Attempt five, I'll give them myself, my son. (laughs) Because when we say, God, would you sort out the mess, the problem is the mess isn't somewhere out there, is it? The mess that we want him to sort out runs through the heart of every single human being who ever lived and ever walked on this earth, including Job, including you, including me. And if you say, God, would you get rid of suffering? You are perversely enough saying, God, would you get rid of me? Because I bring suffering to this world that I live in. Whether it's the Asda plastic bags you still insist on buying, (laughs) the mother you haven't forgiven (laughs) or the hate in your heart the bitterness or a million other little sins that you and I could both name if he judges the world we lose out and so does everyone we ever knew so he comes instead as his son and he says here we'll stick the judgment on him his place for yours your place for his, if you'll only accept him. He hung in agony, in pain, in shame, in misery, rejected by God and rejected by men, separated from his father, that beautiful relationship, until he drunk down the iniquities, the pain, and the sickness of the world. Just drunk it, all of it. Imagine that. Drinking in Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and murder and hatred and adultery and lying and cheating and blasphemy and pornography. And every little thing that we've done, drinking it, drinking it so that he who had no sin became sin on a cross for us. It's the gospel. And then he says, you can be free. And I'm going to delay the judgment so that some of you might come over to this side. Some of you may come over to this side. And the earth's a mess still. But I'm going to put my church in the middle of it. And I'm going to tell them that you can do greater things than Jesus did. And they can bring kingdom stuff in the middle of the pain and agony. The pain and agony is not going to go away. In this world you'll have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Yeah, sometimes you'll see miracles, but sometimes you'll see what looks like defeat. (laughs) Sometimes someone's leg may grow an inch, and sometimes someone may die of Parkinson's. (laughs) Sometimes someone's back may get better. Sometimes someone dead in Mozambique may come back to life. And most of the time, it's going to look like you're failing or falling, but take heart. Because it ain't about this life. This world's a tent. I'm building a temple for you a mansion for you to live in. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Job says, in just a hint of extraordinary revelation, in the midst of a whole load of it, he says, I have no idea if, if there's going to be an afterlife at all, but in a hint of amazing revelation, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and we will see his glory in the land of the living. Just a hint That's what someone with no Bible can come to. Because he saw the glory of the natural world. He gets that from the stars and the planets and the great beasts. He never had a Bible. He never had a savior. He never had a Messiah die in his place. He never had the Holy Spirit. That's where he got to from the cosmos. The Christian... Gets to shake hands with suffering and say, you're an imposter. Where's your sting? But we don't get to get there too quickly. It's not even healthy. For Job, there's another 35 chapters to come where he just works this out. He says, God, I want to put you on trial. If only someone would put me on trial and there was an adversary and I could just see what's going on. I don't understand it. He yells and he rebels. And actually, if you've gone through suffering, I heartily recommend that approach. (laughs) It's great to be able to say, blessed be your name. It's the end and It may be the beginning point as well. Thy will be done that if you're anything like most other human beings I've met, you probably need to go through bargaining, depression, anger, trial, and resolution as well. And if you come into this church at least, you don't have to put on a pretty face. We don't need it, we don't want it. We come as we are. May God bless his word to us this evening.